Hey there, welcome to A Woman's Sacred Truth, a podcast where we are going to explore some uncomfortable and often even painful experiences, but also the joy and satisfaction that comes from moving beyond what has hurt us as we reach new levels in our life, which feels like, honestly, the best thing ever. Welcome. You are in for a treat today. You are going to get the pleasure of meeting Stacy. Her story is so empowering. She is literally the picture of feminine empowerment now. Now, where she was a couple years ago, <laughs> not so much. Stacy was really coming from her masculine wounding and what she went through in her childhood and then set her on a path, right? As it happens to everyone. And so this wound for her that she really had to like heal and overcome was the father wound for sure. And, and then all the ways that she and so many women, myself included, go about trying to like almost foster all of this own masculine protection and warrior energy and shields and all the things that we do to try to hold some sort of masculine power in our own right and there's nothing wrong with that but it was all out of whack and so what she did and what she healed and all the things that she overcame and then shifted up in her life <gasps> oh like i said she is literally the picture now of feminine empowerment and i truly mean that because she's not going about it in a masculine sense anymore. She put down all the masculine shields. So beautiful. And the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, and I have to say it, you've got to listen right to the end, but I'm going to kind of tell you, was that it healed her relationship as well. And I just like, I'm just tingling all over right now because I'm so happy for her and her husband. What she was able to do and then what unfolded in her relationship. <gasps> When she did do all this inner healing around the masculine, it's so incredible. So, like I said, true empowerment in a woman. This is Stacy. Enjoy. I'm so glad we're doing this. Thank you for having me. I want to know just briefly where you are and just a couple of little details about you. And, um, and yeah, and then we'll just kind of dive in. Where in the world are you? <laughs> Stacy. Okay. Well, my name's Stacy. I'm 46 years old. Um, I live in a little coastal town an hour and a half out of Sydney, Australia. Uh, I'm married, happily married for 21 years this year. Um, three very grown kids, 21, 19 and 15 now. Work part-time in aged care. Perfect. We met when you were 42, which was three and a half years ago. That's insane, right? We first met, I'll never forget when we first spoke. It was April 2020, which I think everybody kind of remembers where they were at at that point because COVID had really just kind of set in. And I remember talking to you and it really felt like, you know, the proverbial dark night of the soul for you it was I mean the whole conversation was just tears <laughs> let's start there mm. <laughs> because you're in such a beautiful place now and I can giggle about mm. it right because my goodness the last three years have just yeah. been absolutely amazing so what I want to kind of first hear about 
is um, three years ago where you were where you were at. Share just a little bit around that time of your life. Okay. For a start, you 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 were sent to me from you were sent to me from the universe because um, obviously I had been um, searching the internet. What's wrong with me? Um, I was struggling with the amount of alcohol I was drinking and everything I'd tried before hadn't hadn't stuck. And one, yeah, I just saw your your picture in my Instagram feed one day, and um, I clicked on it not realising that you were on the other <laughs> side of the world from me for a start. Everything about you just uh, I felt instantly connected. I resonated, you know, straight away. Um, that's where I felt like, right, this is it. I've got to do something about this. So I was like, I'm going to just ask the question, what can hurt? Mm-hmm. Little did I know. The only thing that I wanted to do was stop drinking. That was all I wanted to do after talking to you. And I think the first question you asked me was, tell me a little bit about your childhood. And I was like, oh, it was, you know, it was from a broken family, but it was all good. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. Let's peel back some layers. And that's where the tears started and I believe didn't stop. What uh, I feel like for about six months, actually, but probably not. Honestly, like I feel like crying right now because I'll never forget. Like it was so intense. It was so like when we started talking about your dad and everything, right? It was just like, wow. Well, it's like a revelation. I didn't know why I was the way I was. I Honestly, I don't know whether I buried all those feelings or I'm not sure, but um, it was a big revelation of what I had forgotten a lot of it, actually. I don't have a lot of memory about my childhood and nothing terrible happened to me. You know, like I wasn't abused. I was treated with love and... And your mom and dad are still in your lives, right? So it was like, well, what the hell? Why am I yes. 42 and all messed up here? And I have to say, because I swear to God, 42 is like the magical age for women. That's when it happened to me. I would say one in every four women that end up you know, connecting with me. It's 42. <laughs> it's always 42. It's a turning point for sure, that that 40 range. I mean, honestly, really where anywhere from 38 to 42 seems to be the real. But of course, 42 is the magic number for me as well. For you, initially, it really was all about like, I just want to stop drinking. How many, you started as a teenager, right? Started drinking as a teen? Yeah, started drinking probably 15, 16. Was, you know, only on weekends. My mum was a single parent but had a boyfriend at the time so I had a stepfather figure he was a lot younger than her and they were quite easygoing you know it was controlled Um, we were allowed to drink at 16 in the house but we weren't allowed to take any alcohol out of the house so I guess mum was trying to give me some freedom but not let me run wild but I was a rebel I used to sneak out the window and sleep at friends' houses and we'd go camping. And, you know, I think when I think about it, my drinking probably was excessive even as a teenager. You know, we drank to get drunk. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to my world as well. Right. But but weekends, right? Like we were kids, right? But it, it started young. Yeah. It was yep. weekends. Um, you know, back then you could back up and do it again two nights in a row and and get up for school on Monday without mm-hmm. an issue, you know, like I think our bodies were probably a lot more equipped to yeah, yeah, heal. So then here you are though now, 
late 30s and then hitting 40 and you're a mom and a wife and all the things and working and drinking now has its... I worked in hospitality for 22 years and I think that was a really big turning point too. You know, it was the whole world. I'd worked in the in the same club since I was 19. I wore my ability to drink as a badge of honour. You know, I could drink most men under the table and I thought that was cool. Every time we had a busy night, we would be rewarded, you know, like free drinks after work or if we met certain targets, they would take a group of people that were the performers out on a big day of drinking. It was easier for them to reward us with alcohol because they got it at such a cheap price and to give us a cash bonus or whatever. So that was like our our bonus. So it's almost like you're like trapped. When we met, that was that was also like number two on your, let's say, things that you were like, I've got to change this. I, I want to quit my relationship with drinking. And I also want to quit this job that I've been at for 22 years. Like, so all of this was tied up in a knot, let's just say, that had been going on for 20 years, like all of that. And what I immediately recognized was all of that knotted stuff that you knew you wanted undone and stepped away from. I knew immediately that it was all tied into your dad. The reason I drank while I did, I think it was, um, it was connected to like an abandonment feeling, I think. And my dad didn't abandon me. Right. My mum and dad separated. My mum actually left my dad. I understand it a lot more now. My dad was young. He wasn't really ready, I don't think, to be a father right from, you know, right from the get-go. But, and certainly not a single dad. Is anybody ready for that first <laughs> child? I yeah. Um, <laughs> but you get ready, right? Yeah. By the time my mum my and dad separated, there was me and my sister. We're two years apart. And I felt from the very beginning I was the protector, like I had to protect her from all the emotion. We went there weekends, every second weekend, but then he's a drinker as well and he would often pick us up for the weekend, leave us with Nan while he went to the club. Which you ended up working at for 20 years, <laughs> right? Uh, not the same club, no. Later in life it became his local. So this is what I think, you know, now that I've known you for as long as, as I have and when we really started digging into like this core wound, right, knowing that having gone through those experiences and not being, let's say, prioritized by your dad as a little girl, then you end up becoming the protector of your little sister and yet there's this deeper need within you that wants wants so much more um, connection, you know, to be prioritized, to be seen, heard, validated, right, by your dad. Like every little girl has, I mean, every child has that need, right? It's not just a desire, but we have these needs, right? And And so then when we're not getting that kind of connection and support and all the good stuff, right, from our, our main man, it sends us on a path where we go searching for it, right? And then in usually in the teen years is when it's like, okay, well, now I'm just going to emulate my dad to then maybe then I'll get what I need from him, right? His attention and validation, et cetera, et cetera, right? Even just time. And so, yeah, we end up kind of following in their footsteps, which 
all in it's all in an effort to have like a closer connection, right? To get more love from our fathers because we're not getting those needs met starts to turn us into like people pleasers for sure, right? In that effort to try to get the love, I must have to do something for it then, right? How do, yeah, what do you think about all that? I became a professional people pleaser. No matter what situation, it was always yes. Even if I I knew it was a no inside, it was always a yes. I've really struggled with this actually because I found myself being a people pleaser but also very assertive at the same time and those two things don't go together. Like I can be really quite assertive but it was all it was all a fake. It was all the front trying to be this strong warrior woman and it, sometimes it came across as really uh, a lot of people found me quite intimidating. I've been told that um, because I've had this wall up. I had a wall up for such a long time that, you know, once people got to know me, they were like, oh, you're really not that scary. You're actually like, and I'm like <laughs> pretty oh. sensitive, soppy, teary, you know, all things woo-woo. And it's like yeah. even I at first was like, whoa, this woman's a warrior. It was all just a shield, all just a front to to protect your own, like, seriously tender, soft heart. That's the truth. When I think back right from when I was a little girl, the same thing. I was, I was shy and quietly spoken and with just things over the years, I just, I learned to get tough. Because you were hurt, right? Yeah. What do you think was um, some of the more painful memories now that you kind of know what you know about childhood, even if it was something with your mom or, you know, a bit of the abandonment or this or that, that you, I know you were feeling. And again, I have this same, you know, abandonment and it's not like my dad ever abandoned me. I mean, he eventually died, but that's another story. It's just the neglect. It's uh, an emotional abandonment. Yeah, and it's, and the thing that I really had to sit with is it's not intentional. Exactly. So there's no blame here. I don't blame my dad because uh, he didn't know any better at the time. So that was a really big part for me because I did blame him for a while. But I don't now. I don't blame him. Yeah. He did the best he knew how to do at the time. I don't have a lot of memory, and that's the thing that really kind of scares me a little bit. I don't have a, a lot of memory about my childhood the things I do remember are little things like, like uh, my mum would send me out on the weekends to ask my dad for money for maintenance because it was, you know, back then it was before child support came in and it was usually a mutual agreement between the mother and father. And so you know in that moment what she was doing, right, is turning literally you into the man to go do the hard work for her. To go like, and so that's where that warrior facade of yours started to form, right? You're protecting your little sister, and your mom's literally even like putting you out on the front line to like do that hard work of asking for money from it's like, whoa. So you learned how to like armor up and like get in there, even though underneath all that, you were, like you said, this like shy, sensitive little thing with the softest heart. And I believe that that's why actually you know, when you say you've, there's a lot of places where you don't have a lot of memory because I'm 
the same. And now that I know what I know, I certainly didn't know then. I didn't even know until I was like, you know, once I quit drinking in my 40s, was that when we are super sensitive, which you are, anything that feels scary or off or like we just can't make sense of, or we literally don't have an adult in our presence that we know is like connected to us, right? To care for us in some way. We just blank it out. Like we're so scared <laughs> as a kid because it's like, there's nothing beneath our feet. There's nothing really holding us. If we don't have an adult who's like really connected to us in a safe way, they can be in another room. That's not, you know what I mean? But we just know that they're there for us. And when you're a sensitive little girl and you don't have that, and I know a lot of times you didn't have that, we just like blank it out because we're actually so frightened. We're so frightened. So, you know, that's what the mind does, right? Thank God. When we're scared, we just, you know, things just get blocked out, which is a wonderful, you know, developmental coping mechanism. But it it's yeah, it's an odd feeling to really not have much memories of of childhood. It's weird. But that's what I chalk it all up to straight up is just like, well, I was obviously scared. Straight up, right? But for you being forced into those things or even part of you just like, oh, I've got a little sister to take care of, right? You became this warrior and yet I've never seen it so in anyone where on the one hand, it's like, whoa, yeah, like you can scare people if you want. But then as soon as you put the shield down, it's like, oh my God, she's the softest, teariest, like. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Like, it's almost like, what? Is this the same person? But that's who you really are, right? So you've, you've developed some amazing skills, by the way, from, from your childhood, like amazing skills. For the longest time also, had a massive ego, massive ego, but the smallest self-esteem. Like it's real polar. Two really big things that I've noticed about my personality, those two things, like I've, yin and yang, have been inside me my whole life. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, it's protection, right? That when you say like massive ego, whatever, that you know, they mean that like warrior shielding, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's all protection, You've just built up this massive, like, like you said, ego persona to protect, like I'll step on you before you get a chance at my soft little heart over here, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. And so now, oh my goodness. So like almost everyone with the whole, okay, I need to get rid of alcohol. So I'm going to do it. We stumble multiple times until we find our footing. And so it's just been so, I got to tell mm. you, so inspiring just to be able to witness and hold some space and know you for these past three years. And so now for the past year and a half, being alcohol-free completely, it's amazing besides one time. But man, oh man, you have stepped on a whole new path and stepped away from so many harmful patterns, right? in your life. Like it was like, make a list and you just like tick, 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 tick one thing. And once you accomplish that, it was like, okay, now it's this, now it's this, now it's this. The fact that you had to become a warrior at such a young age, this is actually when that skill then comes in handy because look uh, at you now and everything you've accomplished in the last yeah. couple of years, it's like mind blowing. Yeah. I've done some really hard things. You've done some hard things. 
and you've done them. Let's talk about mom for a second. Because <laughs> when I met you, besides being at this job for 20 years that you wanted to change, which was massive for you to step away with that, you also had your mom living with you. Yeah. These are massive shifts. When mom's relationship with her partner, my stepdad, failed, she pretty much got everything ripped from underneath her for the second, well, yeah, she lost everything. She was very broken. She lived with her mum for her mum, my grandmother, for some time. And then an opportunity came available for her to help us out at the same time. So she moved in with me and my husband and our children, which what I thought was going to be temp- temporary. That temporary situation turned out to be 10 long years. Like mum stayed broken for a very long time and I became once again the protector and the so I feel like there was a real role reversal where I I became the mother and she became the child so I was doing the cooking I was giving her the advice I was you know making sure that everything was all right for her and she was also drinking as well right which for a little while like the for those last few years yeah which for a little while was really nice no initially it was a great setup 100 percent but then it turned into this whole enabling, you're both kind of coming from your wounds and it was bad. It became really toxic, actually. I was really resenting, really resenting mum being here in the end, which I didn't, I didn't like feeling like that. You know, she's my mum and I, I love her and I didn't like having these bad feelings about her. But I also didn't want to be the bad guy, you know, and, and toss her out and make a fend for herself. No, you wanted to you wanted to be the people pleaser. <laughs> right? Putting mm. everyone else's or her needs what you thought were her needs, right? Before your own and your and your family's. Yeah. But you did it. Oh, <laughs> when I think about that, like when you, you said, "Oh, I think it might be time for mum to go." I'm like, "Well, yeah. I know that." But actually Physically asking my mum to move out was yeah. possibly the most heart-wrenching, difficult, awful thing that I had to do. And now I did it. she is? She is doing amazing. She's her own little place. She's not drinking now. She's got her own place. It's like, oh, my God, everything got better. Everything got better. Our relationship got better. That was the main thing. Isn't that amazing, though, that you think it's going to be the absolute worst thing ever and you're putting it off for years and then you do it and everyone, you, your mom and your family, everyone's doing better. It's wild, right? I actually have like a real, a real trust in letting things happen now. Like I used to be real controlling of a lot of things, but I, I've learned to trust that things happen for a reason. And generally when things don't work out the way you want them to mm-hmm. is a blessing. Like, you know, that old saying, mm-hmm. a, a blessing in disguise. I've had so many of them, so many. Mm-hmm. You have really, like, from when we met until now, everything that you kind of shared as the vision of what you knew needed to change, it's like you've done it all. It's like so mind-blowing. Even though it's hard, even though you might fail a couple of times, you just keep like getting up and like doing your best stepping forward again and again and again until the shifts happen. And then it's like the fucking skies part and the angels sing. And it's like, oh my God, I knew that this is what I 
had to do, needed to do, and I've done it. And so you're so inspiring to me. You really are. From where you've come and to where you are now, it's like, ah, uh, it's just, it's almost like night and day. And yet this is who you've been all along, right? And so now you're actually living in a way that honors that beautiful heart of yours. Yeah, I still honestly can't believe it. I was reading through my diary a couple of weeks ago where I was still working at the still working at the club, trying not to drink, uh, not really successfully, and I think there was an exercise there that you gave me, put it out there, put it out to the universe, write exactly what you want because it's listening, you know, and I was like, I, you know, you remember what, how I was like such a non-believer like what is this anyway I did it I did it anyway and I wrote dear universe because I wasn't comfortable with the God thing then but I'm very comfortable with God now (laughs) dear universe please give me the courage it was give me the courage to change career paths and I put everything down that I wished for. Uh, no more nights, no more weekends, more time with my family, still a uh, same income, you know, like I didn't want to drop in income. And, yeah, once you put it out there, the ball just starts rolling and the next minute I've quit my job, I've enrolled in TAFE, I got a job in aged care, uh, community aged care fairly quickly after finishing my job and now I'm working Monday to Thursday, 9 till 4.30, no nights, no weekends. It's exactly what I wish for. And you don't have your mum living with you anymore and your yeah. marriage has gone to the next level. Oh, my yes, goodness. Like in a good way. Oh, 100%. So when I first stopped drinking, my yeah. husband was still drinking and that was like a really hard awful time I felt probably the most disconnected from him in that 12 months than I had in our whole marriage you know I I married my drinking partner you know we were drinking partners for 20 years and then all of a sudden I stopped drinking and he became a little bit resentful in a way where it was well you do you and I'll do me you know, like he was very clear that he wasn't going to stop drinking and I was, I said, well, I, you know, I can't control what you do. And I had a lot of fear, like a lot of fear around where, how this was going to work. I felt there for a little while that it was either going to be my marriage not work or my sobriety not work. That, that was a big thing when we did connect that when you, in the, in the first year, year and a half, when... Every few months, if you did have a setback, it was because of that, right? To kind of like reconnect with them, be better. Yeah. And I think I was a little bit codependent as well, where the fear of losing him outweighed the fear of losing my sobriety. 100%. So I almost was openly saying that I would willingly go back to drinking to keep my man, which now that I say that sounds... No, that's like knowing how, you know, the relationship with your father and how that went, right? So he wasn't in the home with you. So right there, you've got that separation. So this is so huge for you, right? It's like, no, I can't lose another one. Like, no way, right? Like, I need that connection and I'll hurt myself to have it. But here you are now. And t- tell us where you are, have found your way to now as a couple. About 
three and a half months ago, I think it was now, my another blessing in disguise, my husband had a mental breakdown, like complete mental breakdown with work, PTSD, the whole bit. He's in an extremely high stress job. Let's just say one of the highest stress kinds of jobs you could imagine. And that's enough to be said about yeah. that. He was leaning on alcohol for a really long time to cope with that stress with his job. It came to a cuddless. I happened to be in Bali living my best life with all my sober friends at the time when my husband's had a complete breakdown. Mm. But he's stopped drinking. He's been three and a half months with no drink. I can't believe it. Like if someone told me this was going to happen, I just would be like, no way. And what did I keep telling you? It's like you've got to stick the course here and keep your light as bright and shiny and radiant as you can. We're not in charge of anybody else. We can't control, especially a grown man, like please, right? They're going to do what they're going to do. But what you can do, and if any woman is listening that is in this position where you've stopped, but your partner's still drinking, the only thing you can do, right, is just shine, be healthy, be radiant, and just say like, hey, honey, look at me over here. Like, join me here, right? But you've got to stay the course. Like, this doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't even happen in a month or a week or whatever. Like, because he has to trust that you're going to stay in that vibrant, radiant, healthy light-filled, shiny place, right, with a soft, open heart so that he can then trust to, like, join you there, right, trust you. And you prove to him over a very long period of time, like, I'm doing this and I'm never coming back. Even with a couple of stumbles along the way, you're just, like, right back on it. And so you've, like, given him the most incredible opportunity, right, to just be like, okay, it's been really beautiful, actually. He had a little bit of guilt around not being as supportive as what he possibly could have been on my journey. But I feel like being the person that I am, I had to do it myself anyway. Like, no one can do it for you. And I feel like it was my almost my calling to be the trailblazer of my family, you know. Like, I was going to be the one to show everyone that I am going to do this. And it just so happened that he obviously felt that disconnect as well and it was enough for him to, yeah, he said, like, I want what you have, you know. He said it. I can't even explain what it's like now. Like it's completely different to 12 months ago when I was really worrying about if my, even if my marriage was going to survive. Now we're thriving. We're so connected on every level. Uh, I wish every, I mean, there have been, so many women that I hope just hear that, that this is possible. I know it doesn't always turn out this way. And like I said, it certainly doesn't happen overnight, but right. Um, boy, has it ever, you're so tenacious, you know, you just, (laughs) you know, like I said, some of those skills that you learned in childhood from those painful experiences that you went through have actually come in handy now as a grown woman. Right. And, uh, and I really believe that about everything that we go through, even some of the most horrific things you could ever imagine 
you're going to develop a, a something, you know, whether it's a le- the knowledge or the skill or the this or the that, even from the most horrible things, right? There's always a negative and a positive from everything that we go through. Everything. It's, it's you know, you don't even really want to look at anything as bad or good because there's always something negative. I believe that yeah. there's a lesson, a lesson, you know, like a, you, there's something you can learn in every um in every experience, whether it be good or bad. Absolutely. Okay, you, I am going to ask you a couple of uh, fabulous questions right now. Miss Stacy. please share with us, when or where do you experience the greatest sense of freedom? Um, I th- I'd have to say mm-hmm. at the beach. Um, I've always been really connected to the ocean. That's where I can feel mm-hmm. my higher power. But when I'm immersed in the water, Floating around in the salt water, that's where I feel completely at home, free as a bird. Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure. It does something 100%, to your soul 100%. Like 100%. <laughs> and especially where you just happen to live and those waters down there, are they're magical. That's some beautiful piece of ocean to be able to uh, touch we can walk to the beach from here like we don't live right near the beach but if we go on a decent walk takes a it's about an 8k walk we could walk there okay how or with whom do you feel the fullest sense of love Mm. well if you asked me this question three months ago it would be a different answer but i have to say my husband Um. at the moment Oh, God, your union is just like, I knew from day one, when I saw a picture of you guys, even day one, when you were told me all the things about all the things that weren't right and this and that, and I saw you too, and I was like, oh, they're so like a forever couple. Like, there's just no, there's just no question. I love that. Oh, my God, I love that so much. You deserve it. (laughs) Ah, it's my woo-woo question. In the infinity of life where you are, what do you know for sure, Stacy? What is your sacred truth? One is I feel like I'm a spiritual being living in a human experience. Mm. So I feel like my soul was already destined for this journey that I'm on. I'm just experiencing it now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is a the same in the same line, but I really love this saying of um Courage is the space between where you are and where you want to be. Mm-hmm. I feel like over the last 18 months, courage has been probably one thing that I didn't think that I had. I didn't think I had any, but I've soon found that I've got lots. You most enough. certainly do. You are 100% attuned to, to courage and, and being able to just choose it right? Even though this, even though that, even though you're just like, there is something about you that where I find there's something special about you that is so inspiring that way that like, if you can go from A to Z, which is kind of what you've done, right? And and it's really because you are so sensitive and yet you are also so strong. And I don't mean physically, I don't even know where you're at with that. But I mean, you just like pull on a whole nother kind of strength. Yeah. Time for you now to probably think about what's next. Yeah. 
definitely. Oh, no, this is, yeah, it's only the beginning really. I feel like the world's exactly. my oyster now. I had so much fear around losing my friends, not being any fun anymore. It's all bullshit. Yeah. It's it's all <laughs> in your head. Like you know, I, I thought when someone said to me, you could live an alcohol-free life and be happy about it, I was like, no way. No way. How? How am I ever going to have any fun ever <laughs> In my first year of sobriety, I had my eight, my daughter, my middle daughter turned 18, mm. so that was a big one. My other daughter turned 21. My husband turned 50. We've been to three live concerts, two overseas trips and a few camping trips in between, and it's all been done without a drink. Mm. And I've something about going to a live concert when you're not affected by alcohol, like you actually feel the music, like it's just... <laughs> It's just next level. Like. It almost seems ridiculous now, but yeah, who would have thought? I never, you know, that was a, a bit of a revelation oh. for me too. My inner teenager literally still rolls her eyes at me now when I sometimes say like, I'm high on my own supply. Like literally, in other words, I'm just high on life all the time. And it's always just right there for me. And hmm. I remember hearing that kind of a phrasing when I was like a teen or early twenties or something like that. And literally just like wanting to barf, you know, rolling my eyes, just like what you're saying, like, that's impossible. Like, don't make up such ridiculous lies. And then hmm. you know, here I am a few decades later and living it, which makes me giggle because it's the actual truth, right? Because I know now, just like you, mm. what we were really thinking and feeling before with those kinds of thoughts and things, it's all just coming from our wounds and our bullshit stories. Mm. And that's what's holding all of that, right? And it's, it's sad. It's immature. It's, it's a lot of things. Um, but it sure feels really good to be here now and be here with you now watching you just like glow yeah and charged up and it's just like so good yeah i miss you so much i mm. need to connect again can you believe the strength in this woman it's just unbelievable i you know my main takeaways here that i hope really land for you for again what is possible when you put your heart and mind to it and you just get to work and and you make these big shifts Stacy had a handful of things that were just completely not working in her life. And one by one, she conquered them all. It just unfolded naturally in her relationship with her husband, which, and I have to tell you, when we stopped recording, he came on and we had a nice chat, the three of us. It was so awesome. <laughs> They're like a couple of teenagers now because she stuck it out. You know, she stayed the course. She did what she knew was right and best for her. In, like I said, she really came into her feminine power. And just like magic, husband clicked into gear. It all just came to be so perfectly. Like I said, my biggest dream, because I talked to so many of you, that this is such a struggle in your relationship. And I just want you to know there is absolute hope and proof that if you stick the course and keep alcohol out, even if your husband is a drinker, your partner is a drinker, stay with it stay with it even if you stumble and he stumbles just stay with it he eventually right if it's meant to be i promise you he's gonna come around and he's gonna see your light but you have to keep your light on 
and this is what Stacy has done. And like I said, talking to the two of them at the end, oh my God. <laughs> like to be 20 whatever years married and here they are more in love than ever before because Stacy had the strength within herself. And, and like I said, true power here, ladies, this is not for the faint of heart. True power, it's just amazing. Please let me know if you have any questions or comments around any of the things that we covered and healing that deep masculine wound and give the podcast a little follow and make sure you share it with any woman that needs to hear this journey that Stacy went on. Leave some comments for me and um, next week you are going to meet my friend Christy and hear all about her lovely story.